Welcome to In My Headache. I'm Aaron Rhodes. And I'm Bill Brownlee. Aaron is the oldest member of Gen Z. Bill is the world's youngest baby boomer. We're music critics based in Kansas City. Aaron and I argue about and sometimes agree on the music we love and hate on In My Headache. In each episode, Bill and I debate the merits of two new albums and one vintage recording. In this edition of In My Headache, Aaron and I analyze the latest releases from the Louisiana rapper Kevin Gates, the Pennsylvania singer-songwriter who works as Glitterer, and I introduce Aaron to Millie Jackson's classic 1977 Southern Soul album, Feelin' Bitchy. In My Headache is sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 Intrust in Kansas City, Missouri. Aaron, there are more innovative rappers than Kevin Gates. They're rappers with better technique. They're certainly more important rappers. But I think there are very few, if any, rappers who are more entertaining than Kevin Gates. I, I would have to agree with you. Yeah, his, his new album, Only the Generals Part Two, which came out in February of this year. I talk to myself. All geniuses talk to themselves. All the time. it real bad with a cartel swag. Pants hanging on my ass. And I know you see me watching. I ain't worried about your man till you do. Maybe his best overall work, although maybe none of the songs are quite as immediately engaging as his breakout hits. I don't get tired from 2014. Really, though, or, you know, really, really, 2015, Two Phones, 2015. Uh, the Louisiana rapper's 35 years old now, and he's lost a lot of weight. So on this album, he calls himself the world's sexiest gangster. Are, are you living vicariously through, through Kevin Gates right now, Bill? I am living vicariously through Kevin Gates. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's funny because... It's, you know, he's so outrageous and so provocative and so hilarious that at times I wonder if I'm laughing with him or laughing at him. And I kind of feel the same way about myself 24-7. <laughs> so, yeah, he raps about, uh, explicitly raps about his sexual preferences whether that be in the uh, dressing room of uh, upscale retailers or just on his grind. Uh, there's a, it's, everything he does is just outrageous, but he presents it in a funny way. So Aaron, are, are you laughing at Kevin or laughing with him? Um, I think you can... I don't know. That's, that's a hard, that is a difficult question just because he presents all, all of these very like pretty objectively funny observations and, and lyrics in like a very kind of serious manner. Like I'm sure he has like a certain kind of sense of humor about him, but he presents it in a way where he's like dead serious when he's rapping. So I don't know if I, if I can answer that question very specifically but you know yeah every time i hear 
a new album from him, I there will be at least one song where I'm like laughing out loud at just how kind of cartoonish some of his like sex raps or like just any other kinds of lines he has are. And I, I, I think I even, yeah, no, I tweeted when I was listening to his album, I think I'm him a couple years ago that came out and he had the song Icebox and I specifically like lost my mind at this line where he said, he's, he's rapping about a woman. He said, I try to turn them against their family just to prove that they love me. And I'm like, that like, everybody talks about future as like the kind of peak of like toxic masculinity raps. But I think Kevin Gates is a, a challenger for that, that top position there. And I kind of, love the the thrill of hearing such ridiculous lyrics yeah I, I can't imagine any fans not laughing when they hear him but uh i prefer to think it's a loving kind of laughter yeah not a judgmental one i only take offense when he raps about his faith sincerely raps about his faith and then in the next verse, he'll say just the most horrible thing imaginable. And it's, I just, uh, I shake my head then, but everywhere else in, uh, in his work, including this album, I uh, am 100% down. Well, I, As, I, I support Mr. Gates' um, expression of his faith uh, in however he, he he sees fit. So I'm, I don't think I'll be judging him with you there, Bill, but I, I, I respect your um, freedom to judge that. <laughs> I do judge it, but in the end it's between him and his God. Yes. So uh, only the general's part two is maybe the, the, in the first three months of this year, it's, it's the, I, I've had more fun with it than anything else released this year even yeah. though it's certainly not the quote-unquote best album it's uh really fun really really fun uh so it, my all my my i do have one uh, last concern with this album and with everything he does you know he uh will detail his underworld activities with some specific specificity and I wonder if, you know, as DJ Khaled would say, you know, he's playing himself. Hmm. Or are we supposed to know that that's all make-believe and none of those activities are actually real? They're just in his mind. Yeah, Which no, is it, it, I mean, it could be a situation where he's, he's changing specific details as to not um, play himself. But... Um, I don't know. I don't, I never like truly dig too deep when it comes to like figuring out like how real someone's raps are. I think that's kind of a, an unnecessary pursuit and you can never truly know, you know, somebody's real life situation. I mean, unless you have like video of it happening. So it's like, I think it's kind of a, a waste of time from a, like a, a music critics perspective but um you know i think that the fun part is kind of trying to piece it together in your head and like sitting sitting there wondering like how, how much of the raps are real you know
That's very mature of you. When I was your age, I was very concerned with authenticity in musicians. And these days, I don't really care either. Not a bit. So whether uh, or not Kevin is telling the truth doesn't matter to me as long as I'm entertained. And I certainly am. Yeah, did you did you have any uh, standout lyrics on this one? I, I wrote down a, a handful of, of my favorite lyrics from this album. Let's hear them, Aaron. Okay. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So these are these are just gonna be like quick, like not not even all of them are just specific lyrics, but um, I and like like you said, like none of like you know the album is not like any sort of revolution in in hip-hop at all like and like honestly the beats sound like they very could be like very well could be from like any time in the last decade and i kind of appreciate that though just because like he he knows what style he wants and you know he doesn't feel the need to like get super create i mean not you know you know what i'm talking about but okay uh favorite moments here i like the song big stepper because it has that kind of ridiculous like dj drop style uh female vocals on on the chorus where she's just like big stepper i'm like what who i want to know who that is how we came to have that part of the song that's fun um on the song send that load which is like a, a pretty crazy sex jam they're he sings in the chorus this night was made for us and it, he does so in like a nasal like kind of nasal indie emo way that i wouldn't have figured him for and that was, i enjoyed that and um oh on plug daughter too one of these uh kind of underworld raps he's saying he's he, he fell for the plug's daughter you see and if i ever leave her they'll kill my family that's that's pretty that's pretty intense that's he's you know he's he's risking it all (laughs) um okay a couple more quick ones there's wishing in morocco and um what i like i would i would love to pitch like maybe put together a music video treatment where kevin gates is rapping in rick's cafe um from casablanca i think that would be a really fun music video if that is not already in the works and yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan of Kevin Gates, and this is certainly one of his most consistent projects so far. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's I just as you were uh, going over some of those uh, specific songs. Yeah, I, I looked at the track list. I'm like, wow, I really do like all of these songs. Yeah, uh, for for different reasons. So yeah. yeah, the the beats are kind of generic, but his lyrics never are. Yeah, no, and like he. Um, and I, I appreciate the fact that like, oh yeah, he, like I was saying, he kind of, he knows his style and mostly sticks to it, but like, he's also like not pandering to radio or like any sort of other kind of niches that he isn't a part of, like, and like, he has had songs that have got like big radio play, like the, the few you mentioned at the top, but like, he doesn't really feel the need to like have some pop singer do a hook or like get like, insanely melodic like like how most of hip-hop has kind of been trending over the last few years yeah this is really old school in the best possible way yeah great uh 
I guess with that, we can jump to Glitterer. Glitterer is the stage name of Ned Russin, who kind of made a name for himself playing in the band Title Fight. They're a, they're a Pennsylvania kind of post-hardcore, pop-punk, kind of they got into some dream pop stuff near the end of their run. They, they haven't released an album in a few years. They've been on a hiatus since their last album, Hyperview. But um, Ned is a talented singer-songwriter. This new album, Life Is Not A Lesson, uh, just came out on Anti Records. And um, I honestly had, like, I've been a a long-time Title Fight fan, like, probably, like, close to a decade now. I started with their album Shed, which I think came out on Side One Dummy Records when I was, like, like in early high school. And that that album really grabbed me right away just because of, uh, I don't know, the, all of his, all of the band's kind of songwriting was very, like, personal and kind of cathartic and like they they know how to write like really punchy like hooks and and riffs and stuff like that that kind of take like hardcore sensibilities and mesh them with something more pop oriented and um i i wasn't okay so glitterer has one lp and two eps that were out before this year and i honestly wasn't too impressed with any of that material um i it like it like this album it was very kind of minimal and simple in its songwriting but this set of songs is definitely my favorite um of ned's post-title fight output um i think he's really honed uh his songwriting and found um some textures and kind of instrumentation that really work for the kind of songs he's writing and yeah i'm curious uh to hear how you feel about it bill yeah it, it's really interesting for the reasons you suggest i it, it's clear that this is a work of a guy who's trying to find an artistically viable way to move past his former band in this case title fight and you it's the it's palpable the way he's trying to find a way forward. And to me, I was reminded of the way Bob Mould of Husker Du uh, and then Sugar started putting out solo albums post-Sugar that were really interesting and kind of experimental, not musically experimental, but a complete departure from what he'd done previously. And Ned is doing that with glitterer and so it's you, you kind of feel like it's you're listening to demos in a way or like just kind of some kind of you know just rough sketches and there are some tracks on this it's only 22 minutes and but there are a lot of tracks and there's some you're like what why did he put this out you know it's like he's just trying to show all his work and show fans that like, here's here's some ideas i have more than uh a finished polished product uh and i respect him for that it's interesting to hear him you're, you you can hear him thinking here yeah. 
No, yeah, because um, yeah, a lot of these the album is about twenty minutes. A lot, some, several of the songs are about like ninety seconds, real brief. Like you, you get the, you get the verse, you get the chorus once, and then you're out. Like maybe there's like a bridge, an intro, an outro, or something. But for the most part, it's very succinct. And I think I, I always love, um, not always, but you know, I'm, I'm prone to enjoying. Um, pop output from hardcore scene people just because I think one they have like a sense of humor most of the time and you know there's there's not much humor going on in this album really it's kind of introspective and kind of personal at some points but um the the other quality that hardcore singer-songwriters usually have is like yeah keeping it short and you know, leaving, it's better, like, they, they kind of know that it's better to leave the listener wanting more rather than giving them too much, and that's definitely the case on this album, and uh, because of that, like, I've, there's there's been days where I've listened to this album, like, two or three different times just because it's so short, and, like, I don't know, it's fun to, to put on in the car or when I'm just kind of winding down for the day, and see, seeing, like, such like setting such a minimal kind of album. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of easy to like mold it to different settings when it's, when you're, I don't know. Is that making any sense? Yeah. I'm interested in that, Aaron, because I was wondering what the utilitarian value of this album is. Mm. You know, meaning in what setting is this appropriate? Like yeah. with, Kevin Gates, it's, you know, turned up and it's, you know, it's a party album and you, you know, you laugh with your pals and it's a good time with this. It's like, what, I don't, I don't understand what you're doing when you listen to it three times a day. Are you, are you crying in bed? Are you maybe one of those uh, times, you know, trying to, you know, praying that your car is going to start. What, 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 what's the context? I feel like this is like kind of, well, there's, there's one song where he like very overtly alludes to, I don't remember what the name of it is. It's like, I don't, I think it's called something like, I don't know what to sing or I, I don't know what, like, so it's kind of like, I see it as kind of at least partially a, like a kind of an album about the creative process, at least in part. So it's kind of like something to listen to as you're figuring out a creative endeavor or kind of just reflecting on work or just maybe your personal life also so i don't know i see it yeah i see it as like a musician's like a creative's musician you know so we hear it the same way it's amazing <laughs> yeah no and i really like yeah just a few points that i wanted to hit were like i like the i'm a big fan of the production and the instrumentation on it it has kind of like those Weezer style kind of fuzzy guitars. And then there's also like this kind of toy electric piano sound on a bunch of the songs. And I think in, the songs are pretty kind of moody otherwise. And it kind of adds like a kind of a bright, fun, like listenable element to these otherwise kind of like sadder songs. And I, I like that dynamic of it. Um, and especially on the last two songs, there are like these very repetitive 
elements like there's just a point where he's like hitting the same note on the keyboard like 50 times and it kind of just driving it home and um stuff like that doesn't always work for me but it did in this setting and like like much like in title fight his i i enjoy his like kind of shouty vocal style and also he i think he just really knows how to write a driving bass line that kind of anchors the song yeah it's this will enrage a lot of people but when he's at his best like it, on this album there's a song called i made the call i'm like this i prefer this to his obvious reference point failure and i like this more than failure because the songs are 120 seconds you know when i'm listening to failure i'm like come on you know just i, I can't wait for each song to, to end and uh Ned's a lot better at just keeping things tight. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, and it's funny because he, I read that, I didn't realize this before, but on his previous LP, uh, it was produced, at least in part, by Alex G. And before I even realized that, I, I thought I was getting some kind of Alex G vibes from this album. I don't think he worked on this one, but you can tell that some of the some of Alex G's qualities as like a kind of solo singer songwriter who likes to kind of tinker with arrangements and, and kind of play with that stuff kind of rubbed off on net, I think. But um, unless you have any other notes on this, we could. No, on. I'm glad you uh, made me listen to that. I respect this. I, I don't know that we even said the name of the album. It's another good album title. Yeah, life life not is not a lesson. Yeah, I think that's a, a just fine sentiment after a year of like feeling pretty, pretty bleak and like that life can get a little pointless right now. And, you know, it's good to, to remember that, yeah, it probably is kind of pointless, but uh, we're here. We're chilling. We're podcasting. We're listening to records and, uh, it's it's the little things, Bill. I think I think you know that's what happened. Well, uh, there's something that's not so little, Aaron, and that's the facts of life. Mm. And I decided it was time that you learn at your impressionable young age about the facts of life, about the birds and the bees. Blame on me. So I figured it was time you were ready for Millie Jackson and her. 1977 album Feeling Bitchy. So I don't know if subjecting you to this is going to uh, require years of therapy to recover from or if you are comfortable with it. But this is a lewd, raunchy, grown and sexy concept album. It's about sex and infidelity within individual relationships. And uh, if, for those who don't know, Millie Jackson was born in Georgia in 1944. She's still alive. Uh, she was based in New York City for uh, most of her career. But to me, this is you know, this is deep Southern soul. 
And in a lot of ways, I would consider her kind of protean rapping and the, her gritty, earthy sound is kind of like the original Dirty South. So uh, in 1977, it was kind of the middle of the peak of her career and she was considered outrageous uh, for her use of profanity and her graphic sex talk. And this album opens with a long rap about a, a sexual act. It's a cover of, kind of lo very loose cover of Lattimore's All the Way Lover. So Aaron, uh, are you an All the Way Lover? Um, I don't know if I'm the one that gets to decide that. Um, I think I will leave that up to uh, the women in my life. <laughs> um, but no, I, I came out of feeling bitchy, a, a big Millie Jackson fan. Um, I, you know, see, this, this was a good pick because I don't have really any frame of reference for 70s R&B and soul because it's just something I haven't really explored all that much yet. And I think this was kind of a great um, entry point just because yeah, I love I love that the the opening song is like seven eight minutes. Like when when you can when you can execute an an opening song that's that long and and like make it not feel like a chore. Like it's I think you can tell it's going to be a pretty great album usually. And yeah, I love the kind of like proto rapping that she's doing on that song. Kind of just the the shit talking and the kind of laying out these different relationships and everything and um yeah no it's funny i um you know and no and i do i do like the the very southern um elements of the album too like with one one of very few kind of r&b and soul musicians of around this era that i do have experience with is alan toussaint and the um i think on yeah you you created a monster that song has like those really nice uh kind of southern elements to it that i was a fan of good call there's a guitar riff throughout monster that is so amazing yeah. and i didn't go to who sampled to see how many times i've heard that in other contexts but yeah the arrangements throughout the album are, are there i mean they're Let's, I'll just say it, they're kind of dated 1970s-ish elaborate studio productions, the kind of thing that Alan Toussaint specialized in. Yeah. But Millie's personality is so strong, whether she's, you know, rapping about sex or singing, you know, straight ahead love song that she is able to be out in front even, even when the the producer got a little out of control yeah no it, it's it feels like you know i'm sure she had plenty of uh practice over the years like she had a, a fairly long career it seems like but like it seems like she does just have a knack for being a an entertainer whether on stage or uh in the recording studio she like you know you, you hear her like yeah there are several moments on the album where she is just talking 
on the microphone and it's never there's there's not a dull moment on it really and i think it the album checks a lot of different boxes for like the types of song like the 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 topics of the songs the the imagery she uses but also like the style of arrangements like there's there's kind of more soul style tracks but then there's kind of like the r&b almost like funk style tracks also so it's very dynamic and varied throughout the, the album all that's true but you didn't mention country and oh, yeah. there's a strong nashville country element throughout this album and in fact one one of the tracks toward the back of the album it, and like it is a concept album so it's about it's a it's about it's a story arc about a troubled relationship and she does a cover of the Merle Haggard hit if if you're not back in love by Monday yeah that and she just makes it entirely her own it's it's it shows her brilliance that she could take this Merle Haggard song and make it seem entirely hers but it's still there's still a country element to it and there's some you know there's I you know there's, there's some of the tracks also have kind of uh, that Southern California early country rock things like, uh, you know, the Eagles were doing and so on. Uh, so that's, that's in the mix too. Yeah. Uh, it, so, and, and, and there's segues between each song and they kind of bleed into one another that way. And, you know, Aaron, I hadn't listened to this album in years. I, it came to mind because I was talking about how I can't stand to hear musicians talk. Yeah. I'm like, well, is that always the case after the first episode? I'm like, well, wait, there's Millie Jackson. So I came back and listened to this right after that episode. I'm like, for the first, first time in, I don't know, 20 years, I'm like, oh, my God. This is maybe one of the best albums of the 1970s in any genre. And I am excited that uh, listeners now can go back and hear this completely overlooked album yeah no you'll have to um help me continue my 70s r&b and soul education at some point whether that is a future episode or uh just privately excellent I'll, I'll mention that uh she toured i think right after this album with isaac hayes and uh they did an album together called royal rappins and it's so weird, like the cover, uh, Foreigners Feel Like the First Time in a you know, deep soul way. And it's just, it's just wacky. But uh, man, yeah, I can't, I'm so excited to uh, talk 70s soul with you uh, in the months and years ahead, because uh, that might be my favorite thing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there is there anything we need to hit before we get out of here, Bill? Where what are, what are you plugging here? What do you got? Oh, I continue to uh, update my music diary. There stands the glass dot com. Uh, I saw. I know I have at least one reader because uh, young Aaron uh, referenced uh, my appreciation of Willie Nelson the other day. Yes. The, the, new, the new Willie album. I don't know if we'll we'll do an episode on it, but the new Willie Frank Sinatra album. I I enjoyed that a lot too. That was that was a fun listen. Yeah, you can't go wrong. God bless Willie. Yep. 
And uh, my jazz blog, Plastic Sax, is the one Kansas City Jazz Institution that doesn't ask for money. So readers are encouraged to read it without feeling guilty. You don't need to pay me anything. So plasticsex.com is where to go for that. Uh, what's up with you, Aaron? Uh, yeah, people should follow at Sherlock Mag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Sherlockmusic.com is the website. I've been posting uh, new local music write-ups, uh, at least a couple, two, three every week for the last month or two, and that's been a lot of fun. Uh, there are a lot of cool projects coming up in the works. Excited to share something with you all in April. Um, but also subscribe to the Shuttlecock YouTube channel. Just search for Shuttlecock Music Magazine. There will be a fun original video that I shot with some friends getting posted uh, sometime in the next couple weeks. And uh, if you want to buy some merch, you can go to shuttlecockmag.bigcartel.com. There are some t-shirts, photozines, and buttons available. But I think I just want to thank everyone for listening today. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>